Welcome and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Tunes and Tales podcast. I'm your host, Jay. And as usual, I want to say thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for checking us out. Thank you for being here. If you've been with us since episode one or any other previous episode and you're back to listen or watch, thank you. Love y'all. Y'all the best. If you're here for the first time and you're checking us out, you know, somebody told you to watch us. Somebody told you to listen. Somebody told you to, you know, oh, this new fucking podcast. It's hilarious or not. I don't know. <laughs> but if you're just here for the first time, I want to welcome you as well to the Tunes and Tales podcast. This is a podcast where we have amazing people share amazing songs that reminds them of amazing stories. Welcome. Um, let's just get to the notes today before we get into the episode. Uh, so as usual, if you want to follow us on social media, reach out to us. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Tunes and Tales Pod. If you're watching, you'll see it right below. Um, you can also find us on Facebook, just Tunes and Tales Podcast. Um, we're also on Twitter or X, whatever you call it. That's Tunes and Tales Pod with the N. You'll see it below if you're watching again. Also, if you are watching and you want to listen to the podcast on the go, you know, running, doing errands, going to work, commuting, whatever. You just want to listen to the podcast. Also, if you listen, you'll get a little clip of the songs, the song that the episode is about. Can't put it on YouTube for, you know, YouTube reasons. Um, You'll see all the podcast platforms below. So all the major ones that's, you know, Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, Apple, sorry, Amazon Music, iHeart, you name it, we're there. Um, what else we got? Also, if you listen or watch and you have a story or song you'd like to share, you can just send it to tunesandtalespod at gmail.com. If you're also watching on YouTube, go ahead and hit that subscribe button for me. You know, why not? It doesn't hurt. Subscribe, notification bell, support the podcast and join the community. Yeah. And that's it for the notes. So today we have Steven Sampson. He's an actor. Uh, he's a poet. He has a passion for his craft and what he does. Uh, today's episode, we dive into the roots of his acting, where that where that love for acting came from. And how throughout the years he has battled imposter syndrome and the way he has overcome that to go on and pursue a full-time career in acting. Great guy, great story, real love for what he does. I think you guys will really love this episode. So let's welcome to the podcast, Stephen Sampson. get into it um thank you for coming on i appreciate yes, it sir. and i appreciate how i appreciate how fast you move because when i hit you up about it you're like yes and you're ready to go so you don't understand yeah. that that's just not normal bro <laughs> yeah oh yeah wow it's not normal it's not normal so i really do appreciate it all right um so on today's episode what's the memory or moment you would want to talk about yeah so um the memory the memory i want to talk about is um it's my memory of um 
of getting accepted and attending uh, Emerson College. Mm-hmm. And um, and I remember um, I'm from Boston, and um, mm-hmm. it just it's a college, and I'm I'm an actor, so the school is um really big for acting and for drama. And um, mm-hmm. my older brother, who was a lot smarter than me in school, he had like high honors in high school. He applied to Emerson. He um he didn't end up going. I don't know if, I don't know if he didn't get in or something happened. So for All me, right. I graduated high school with a one point six seven GPA. So it was wow. like wait, wait, time out, time I went out. to I went to Bunker Hill. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I went into the trades actually, and then I went to Bunker Hill for theater. Got my uh-huh. GPA together, and then I um I was like, let me let me um I should apply to Emerson. I talked to a friend. She gave me some advice. I was like, let me let me apply to Emerson for what I what I want to do. But when I got in there, I got in, got accepted, everything. But it was a huge culture shock for me. Mm-hmm. So I started to feel like, a, what do they call that? Imposter syndrome. So I felt like, like I, don't I should belong. not have been there. So I started yeah. to struggle, like, inside myself. It came out of nowhere. So, so yeah, that's, okay. that's the memory of getting accepted and right. struggling okay. with imposter syndrome at Emerson College in my own city. <laughs> Got you. All right. So I feel like there's a few things we, we can talk about there. So let's go back before we get to Emerson. Um, you said your, your GPA in high school was what? It was a 1.67 when I graduated. Okay. All right. So because the reason why I ask is I'm a big advocate or not even advocate because it's not like I actively do things to to get this change. But I, I strongly believe a school system at all levels is broken in this country. So right, right, what, what, what contributed to that? Was it just your own fault or is this school wasn't a thing for you? What contributed to that one point, what, seven, five? Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think for me, um, I think it was my um, just my own my own emotional state. Like at that time, I'm like I'm in high school, um, and when I was finished in middle school, my mother told me like um, basically basically my dad was my stepdad, you know. So I go through Wait. this like yeah, and I'm 12 years old when this happened. So like wow. So I went through this kind of period of like um, of just like identity crisis i guess you would call it you know mm. and i'm just like kind of like detached it, it became hard for me to focus on schoolwork for uh, on things that i had to do like um academically but i used to be great in class you know i was still participating in class and i'm talking i'm communicating so i'm doing well with the teachers on a mm-hmm. relationship level but when it comes to my academics going home and doing homework i struggled really hard to, to yeah. get work done to turn the assignments i was doing things at the last minute and um but I was still performing like as a, I guess, a respectable student, a leader in the school. So it was really mm-hmm. a, it was a strange place. But I think it was those emotional struggles and just like my inability to focus you know, at mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. And I, and I can see it, even though know, if you're dealing with something like that at that age, it's kind of hard to prioritize school. Like, you know, you're a kid. It's like, right. I don't feel like school right. takes that important. They, every, all the adults in your life preach it. They're like, hey, go to school, good grades, blah, right, blah, right. blah. You know, but like it's. It's easier said than done, so I can right. See. It's like how to actually do it, right? And when you have I, all this stuff you care about, right? And I didn't mm-hmm. know that I had um ADHD as well. I didn't know that. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but when I was in elementary school, um, I um, again I had this great this this struggle to focus. I'm always tapping pencils and doing stuff. The teachers are always calling my name, but I wasn't labeled mm-hmm. as a bad kid. You know, I'm still again communicating in class, doing well in class. And, um, on a relationship level, I wrote this book um, in second or third grade called Answer My Pants. 
little did I know I was talking about my own struggle. But um, the teachers kept saying I had ants in my pants. So I wrote a book about it. The teachers loved it. They started talking about the book. And um, but apparently I knew something without really knowing something at that age. So um, I wrote a book about the ADHD struggle. But um, I didn't find out that I actually had that until 2020, like three years ago. Wow. So dude. I found out, yeah. That is crazy. So you just knew yeah. all along. You just couldn't put the the, uh, the official words to it. Right. Like the exactly. terms to it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's let's go to Emerson now. So you're in yeah. Emerson. Uh, you're dealing with this imposter syndrome. What, I guess not what triggers it, but like what made you first realize like, all right, something's off. Like what was like the first time, if you remember, like, I don't feel like I belong here. Yeah, um, the 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 first the first moment I'll never forget it was when I um, may have been the first day of the first week of school. Um, and I'm and when I go to Emerson, I'm 25 because I at the high school yeah, I you went, went to community trade. college and all that. Yeah, yeah. I did. I did the trade. Yeah. I did trade school. I worked in the trades for like two years. I went to community college, and then when I finally get to Emerson, I'm 25 years old. I'm a basically a junior at the time, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm in the library. And um, the school's predominantly white, you know, the school's predominantly white. And um, it's me being from Boston. My dad's a ranger at the, so he's working in all the parks. He's a lieutenant for the Boston Park Rangers. So I'm mm-hmm. growing up in that area downtown. But to be right. in the building, inside the building, and it's like, of course, it's college. So you got students coming from everywhere. It's predominantly white. And I just remember, like, I might have been the only black person in the library, but um. I could not have been it, but it may have just felt like I was. You felt I like it, one hundred percent. Just looking at me, it wasn't like it didn't make me. It wasn't, it wasn't um evil or out of anger or malice. It was just like, oh wow, like it felt like wow, like a black guy said progressive, know? and I felt like right. And so I'm just in there like, okay, like whoa, like, I didn't, and I just remember just feeling like just feeling all those eyes on me and really feeling like I don't even know what to do right now, you know? Right. So just that right. felt like wow, I'm in this. The last college experience I had before that was Bunker Hill, where it's super diverse. So it just kind of hit me. Yeah. Okay. All right. So while in the in the thick of it, in the thick of Emerson, so you're you're in there, and you went for the arts, right? That's what you said. Yes, sir. Um, theater. And so how? There. So especially in theater, you know, you're an actor. Like you kind of have to, not kind of. You hundred percent got to put yourself in like different roles, different situations. Yeah. Kind of not yeah. not be yourself sometimes. Be yourself sometimes. So how did that that feeling of imposter syndrome affect your arts was it like did it affect your classes at all or did you notice it in your performance or was it like a form of escape from it or you know yeah yeah um yeah it yeah it did it did it did affect my um my art and me as an actor because mm-hmm. um most of the training that i got in acting was from like older black people just one would say like in the hood just in boston in roxbury in dorchester and they're just older theater people who are just like giving us theater, giving us this art. And um, and a lot of them have worked with a lot of other black companies. So most of my art training was from other black people, older black folks mm-hmm. in Boston. And so this is the first time I'm being trained by, you know, a lot of white staff and a lot of a lot, a lot of white instructors. And I have a lot of um, white um, uh, like fellow actors, or, you know, people that I'm meeting. So it fe- it felt new for me to like. I felt in a way like too black and it's not, mm. not, not, yeah, I know what you mean. Outside of being proud, like I'm definitely proud, definitely for sure. Mm-hmm. But felt like this is my style of my delivery in this art is different than everyone else in this room. So I'm right. like, 
it had it brought up thoughts to me that I never really thought about before. Like, am I doing this right? So maybe kind of second guess everything that I've been trained, everything that I, that, that that I was doing, and then um, and yeah, just having like missing pieces in myself. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I struggled. I had to like, I had to start to look at things differently. So that yeah, I needed some help with that. Got you. Okay. Now while while you're doing your classes and stuff, um, because you know like especially in in America, I feel like black people as a whole, we kind of, we kind of have this natural incline to stick together. You know, you go somewhere unfamiliar, you see a black people, either you yes. give them the head nod or you, you hang, you know, you know, the head, you got the nod or you, you go hang out if you like get to know them a little bit more. But like, right. so while in classes, was it something like, it's just me on this Island or did you have like, you know, fellow black people you could lean on or like form like a little camaraderie with? Like, how was that? Yeah, yeah. Um, it took a while, but that eventually happened. I was there were some other black students, but again, like um, yeah. But then there's the there's the um, the thing of me being 25, you know. So um, most of the ones coming in who I'm mm-hmm. taking those first round of classes with, they're 18, 19, 20, and so um, so then there was like the age gap. But um, but yeah, I definitely. But then one day. There were some older students, some were grad students, some were like, um, just had, were getting ready to graduate from their undergrad. And, um, I, um, I met one in the, in the library, one guy, he was actually from Boston. And so we had mm-hmm. that definitely that, that Boston connection as well. Like it felt like, gotcha. yo, you made it too? My brother, you made it too. <laughs> you made it too. And, and, um, those guys were doing film and they introduced me to, um, actually a black guy who worked in one of the student, um, affairs offices. And he was able to be a big connection. So I started meeting some other black students. So um, mm. that did help me feel more comfortable. And they were like, and they were able to just, to just talk about those, just to talk about those same struggles that we both had. Coming from the city, we felt like we about to go to college on our home turf. And it felt like a completely different situation than we expected. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And it's probably, it's probably a situation where I didn't, I just thought of this is like, they're probably dealing with the same shit you're dealing with too. You know what I mean? It's like, right. it's just maybe like not as, not as severe or a little bit milder right. or whatever, but they probably had the same questions, the same feeling. So, okay. That's a good point. That's a good point. All right. So take me through, through, through Emerson. Um, what were like the challenge? Like, what would you say it is the most challenging part of AKA becoming an official actor? Right. Like just getting um, the education. The the hardest part for the hardest part I'll say the challenge part the hardest part of becoming an actor, mm-hmm. you know, like or going through Emerson. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was um really getting other people's opinions about the career and about the career choice out of my head. You know, that was the hardest part Ooh. for me because okay. even graduating high school, you know, my theater teacher who I have a great relationship with to this day. But he told me, he was like, um, oh, you might want to reconsider becoming an actor because you're going to be hungry, you know? Oh, and, as in the struggle. And, yeah. Yeah. And so because um, you're really putting your finances, your whole lifestyle like, in your own hands, really. You're not like checking into a job somewhere where you know for sure you're going to get a check. You go to an audition, you don't know if you're going to get it. So, um, so him saying that to me actually scared me into going into oh, the trade no. because I okay. knew that was a guaranteed way to make money. I knew I, I was a, it was a solid career path. So I said, you know, I'm not, and I was already not doing too great in high school anyway. My my chances of going to a, a college for drama, a four year college right out of high school, were very slim. So I um so I said, you know what, I'm just gonna 
go to trade school. I'm not going to go to college at all. And I, I actually mm-hmm. said I'm never going to college. But I um, but I ended up going to Bunker Hill for theater after a couple of years in the trades just to, I said, you know what, let me just try. Let me just try, you know? Mm-hmm. And so so I went out. I went out and um, I was able to, like, start saying, you know what? Maybe people are right, but let me just try. So the hardest part was, like, people's opinions, family, friends, professionals. And then, um, yeah, just getting over that by saying, you know what? I'm just going to give it a shot. Yeah, sure. Okay. So that I understand. But how how do you separate that from the critique of your work? So, you know, like somebody saying like, hey, you, you did this role right, but you could have done X. How do you separate, you know, that opinion from... I guess the career opinion. Right, right. Um, so, so just just so I'm clear. So, how do I separate like um people's opinion from like of your performance of our performance? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. For me, it's um, and I love the fact that this is why I love that I went to Emerson in the first place, and I love that I have the training from outside outside college training from just straight black professionals in the, in the craft because the way they taught it to me was you got to feel it baby that's what that, that's mm. what the, that's that's pretty much how they <laughs> taught the it same? you know um, you have to feel it baby it was very like um they'll say like less less a lot less academic so i feel like i got the cultural side and the academic side of the art so the cultural side really helps me when i take on a different role because what I was taught was if I don't feel it, the audience won't feel it. You know, mm. whoever's watching won't feel it. So um, if I get a critique about a role, you know, I can get a comment from a director that will say, oh, do this when you say this line. And for me, I go back to I got to feel it. I can't just perform it because you said I have to be over here by this word, you know. So I have to really, like, take on the role, look at that person's life, you know, look at this character's story and find that person's truth in my own soul. And then I feel mm. like it doesn't it doesn't make a um a role like mistake proof, but it but it if I get a critique, you know, I'm feeling something really genuine. So I can explain it and I can feel I can feel good about myself, you know. I, however I performed it, I felt genuine when I did it. You know? So right. I think that so, like you're gonna get those critiques regardless, but I think the best thing for me is like going in as long as I feel it, I'm being honest with this character, I'm being honest with myself. Okay, so it sounds like it, it it more so matters to you how you feel about sorry how you feel about the role and not necessarily how not the audience but your peers or whoever perceive it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, um, All right. Yeah, and you definitely can get you can you can get some good feedback from critiques for sure. Like um, mm-hmm. it, it and I think a lot of acting for me is like goes with like my own humanity like um you know like on my in my regular life how can i relate to people am i empathetic you know can i um you know am i reading up on different topics how how um how deep am i as a person i feel like that that helps me a lot more on stage and and, and, in films and stuff gotcha all right so what is what's the goal for acting is it fucking Avengers five, like you want to play Iron Man or like right, right, you know, right. what's what's the goal? Yes, I, I would love to be a black Iron Man. That'd <laughs> oh, that'd fire. be fire. That'd nah. be fucking fire, bro. Yeah. But um but yeah, but um it's yeah before I used to say I used to kinda like reject this notion of Hollywood. Like I don't I wanna do 
theater, like with the people and like, you know, and which is, which is definitely still a part of it, still a part of it for me. I want to, I want to um, continue to do stage acting, but I do want to move into the film sector. I just, I live in Houston right now, actually. I live in Houston and I just got oh, really? signed with, um, with an agency down here to start going out on like Netflix auditions and auditions for other things. So, um, so yeah, so the goal is I do want to go to the screens because there's so many stories being written these days. You know, there's so many stories on Netflix and there's so many projects to be a part of. And I'm like, I love this art. And what I had to realize too was it wasn't that I was really rejecting Hollywood. I had to see my own fears. I was scared to really put everything out there because I had all these preconceived notions like, oh, like don't put everything into it because you might, it might not work. So I was really right. dealing with those fears, but calling them my opinions, you know? So now that, as time went on, and I um I got less afraid and really like start to say you know what this is this is what I want to do I believe in this art and this so now it's, it's been a lot more comfortable for me to just pursue and go to and look for the levels that I want to hit. Wow, I, I like that. So it's it's your fears basically were something you had to confront. It wasn't from Hollywood. It wasn't from the quote unquote right. industry. Gotcha. Right. Hmm, it really was false expectations appearing real. That's that's so real, man. Because it's not really just was. that. It's like it's life. It's growing up. It's you know, if you're if you're pursuing a goal that's that's lofty, that's up there, you you can look at every negative reason not to, and ignore right. why the real reasons are. It's really you. For you're real. afraid of whatever actions or consequences, you know. So I, I like that. That is true. Uh, when did you move to Houston? Um, just like literally one year ago. One year ago. How was it living in Houston? Like yeah. in Texas it's, in general, um, I guess. It's hot. But you know, I like it. I, I don't I, I don't miss the snow so far. You yeah, know? Snow, I I tell you. Because I'm thinking about moving too, bro. I don't know if I can keep right. doing New England dog. I fuck right. it. Yeah, All right. I, I, so, I seen like a post I seen a post somewhere it was like um um moving from the city the place you were born is the biggest life uh-huh. hack. Oh, hundred percent. That yeah, and that and just traveling. For real, yeah, for real, and um, yeah. and it's been like, I felt like I was a person. I felt like I could never leave Boston. Like I could never leave. I was that guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not never leaving the Bean. But then um, <laughs> it's my but, city. But, but just but it took it took a while. It took a while. Um, and when I finally decided to do it, like it's been like a, a huge eye opener. I love I love like meeting the different people, and I found out it's a lot easier for me to navigate in my art in a different place. Mm. Yeah, so. Respect. I've been loving it. It's been, right. it's, been, it's been good to me so far. That's good, man. And you know what it is? It's at the end of the day, it's this is a step in pursuing what you truly love, what you truly want right. to do. So you know that's ultimately that's the main that's the main reason. You know. All right. So I want to go back a little bit and talk about where your love of acting came from, because I know we yeah. talked about it's because it seems like it's something you've known for a long time. Yeah. So where 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 was the seed planted? Like, hey, I want to be an actor. I want to be on the stage. I want to be on the screen. Where did that come from? Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's. I feel like it's been like a progressive journey, and then one day it happened to me. Um, okay. Yeah. Um. Again, when I talk about and for and for me, like my acting career and this education thing, they 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 just go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um going back to school again in elementary school when I wrote that book Ants in My Pants in like third grade um, that was the first time where I ever got any type of any kind of praise or notoriety for 
something that I created, something that I wrote. Just to, to think back now what it meant for a third to a third grader to see his teachers, my my teacher going crazy about this, something that I wrote as a class assignment, and then she's passing it around to other teachers. So I'm like this little kid in elementary school. I'm going to the Mather in Dorchester, and I'm just walking through hallways, and other teachers are coming up to me saying, I loved your book. Great job. You should write another one. And I'm just like, whoa. I'm just like well, this little kid walking around. And then so right. that happened then. And then in fifth grade in that same school, another another assignment in class, a poetry assignment. I did the work. And the teacher's like, um, we was talking about alliteration. Teacher's like, um, Stephen, you did an excellent job. That's a great poem. I want you to stand up and read it. Now. I'm known for like cracking jokes and doing other doing you know other things because I had so much all this energy and stuff right. going on, and so I um I stand up I did this poem again like notoriety for something that I created and it just made me think you know and it also felt good to me both of those mm. things felt like a release to me and mm. I was able to like clock that in a strange way as a kid and then when I got to high school now I'm like 14 I'm in high school and I have theater class assigned to me mm. so um. So I t- I'm in a theater class, and everything that we're doing is just feeling good in my soul. Um, every improv workshop, every every um little scene that we have to do, it just felt like I felt like um a lot less disconnected or spaced out than I usually am, right? And then um, gotcha. so that's kind of what made me feel like okay, I like this. And then one day I was at the Dudley Library and I seen um a flyer for this youth program, a youth drama program with the City Performing Arts Center it used to be called. Down mm-hmm. um by like down by like Tremont Street down in downtown, right, and um right. I joined this program with a bunch of youth and we signed up for the summer and that whole summer we're just learning from these theater professionals. I mean, one guy who taught us is in England right now putting up Shakespeare plays. So we were really around some theater professionals and that's why I met a lot of those like mentors that I have um to this day. And so um but we did that program all summer. I did it for two summers, but they really taught us like acting. And um, really gave that to us at like 14, 15, 16 years old. And so like that. From there, it was kind of, rest was history. Gotcha. So it's, it sounds like just throughout your life, you kept doing these little things that reinforce essentially your interest, which eventually became your love in, for acting, right? So I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny because I feel like you're fortunate in a sense of like a lot of people don't get to figure stuff like that out that early you know what i mean right, right. i feel like you have to wait till like you're in like you're done with college or you're fucking right, having a right, midlife right. crisis and then you're like right. oh what i really want to do is go you know travel the world or whatever <laughs> like, right right you know right. so that's i love to hear stories like that because i'm one of those people like i, I know what i want to do now in terms of like business and just like the yeah. lifestyle i want but growing up i'll like looking back it's funny. Recently, I was talking to one of my friends and I was telling him, he's like, looking back, I realized every dream or idea I've, ha- I've had as a kid all the way through, like growing up and even through high school was yeah. for status or the appearance of success. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it wasn't something mm-hmm. that like, I remember the first career, you know, as a kid, they're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I remember always saying I want to be a meteorologist. Because one, meteorologist sounds fucking fire. <laughs> like, right, right, like right. It just sounds cool. <laughs> right. And two, I see the dudes on the suit on the fucking TV pointing at the clouds and shit. I thought that shit was fire. But yeah, growing yeah, up, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
don't give a fuck yeah. about the weather, right? bro. Like, yeah, I care about the environment, but I don't care about the weather. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, like, right, right. It's not a true passion, like, from the inside. Exactly. But it looks fine. Exactly. exactly. And thinking right. back now, like, in a perfect world, dude, I'll probably go coach soccer. It's that simple. Because that's right, that's right. just that's I what I really love. I you. you know what I mean? So, yeah. All right. So, uh, let's move away from the screen, away from the stage. Do you have any interest or pursuit in behind the camera, directing, you know, all that stuff? Yes, sir. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. Directing. That's a funny you mentioned that one because I, um, uh-huh. that's another fear of mine. I used to think I don't want to direct. I just want to write or I just want to, um, act. But I do have mm. passion for directing. I do have thoughts of directing. But, um, but I'm, I'm pursuing, um, poetry. I'm a spoken word poet also. And, um, okay. And playwriting. You know, I want to, um, I wrote a couple plays. One, I wrote myself and produced it myself, like during, towards the tail end of COVID at a museum mm-hmm. with a, a black, um, a black war hero from like the Revolutionary War time and, um, mm-hmm. who lived in like Taunton around that area. I wrote oh, really? a play about him. We performed at a museum. The town knows a lot about him. His name is Toby Gilmore. And, um, so I put on the Toby Gilmore story, um, was the first play that I wrote and produced, but I want to, um, continue to write plays and there's stories that I want to tell, even if I'm not on stage as the actor telling them, you know, I think, so yeah, definitely have a passion for playwriting and that's, I'll probably turn to screenwriting. Nice. Nice, dude. I want to see it all, bro. I want to see it all, man. Me too. That's awesome. As the fears come (laughs) off, I feel the capabilities coming to come, coming to life more. That's dope, man. That's, and uh, you know what? And I feel like that's the, I can't speak for all the, you know, the quote unquote actors that made it, but I feel like that's the process they all go through. They start off yeah. with something, they they build, they build, and then you get to the point where they're pretty much quote unquote, basically unstoppable. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. All right. So away from the camp, away from the acting, away from, you know, wanting to play right, away, want, away from being on the stage, who are you? If if you could explain your describe yourself without saying I'm an actor, I'm a director, I'm a playwright, right. I'm a poet. Who are yeah. you? Yeah, man. Um, interesting question. Mm-hmm. Uh, who am I? Um, yeah, something I've been thinking a lot a lot about lately. Um, I think that I am. Um, you know, I'm a person who. Um, I believe that. Um, that we are like here for a reason, for for mm-hmm. a reason. So I think that I'm somebody who who really believes in like um, individuals, you know. Okay. Um, so I think I think at, the, at, at my core, that's that, that's who I am. You know, I have kids, so like you know, as a as a as a father, like my daughter's six, like you know, and she um, I look at her and I'm like, you know, I don't know this kid. I have no idea who this kid is. Yeah, I made her. She's mine. You right. understand? But, but I have no idea who she is. And so right. I'm letting her, like, grow up. And if she may show an interest in gymnastics, okay, let me promote that interest. Because there's something in her that's trying to get out, you know? And mm-hmm. I feel like that's who I am. There's something in me that's, like, trying to get out. And I feel like that's who we all are, you know? We have things that somebody could be interested in freaking stars you know i can probably i probably don't even care about stars at all but somebody can be so in awe about the stars 
I think it's a big mistake for that person who loves the stars to work as a lawyer. 100%. Mm-hmm. You know, so 100%. like, so for me, I try to find that same path in myself. Like, what am I truly interested in? And, um, and, and then like, why? Why? And like, how deep can I go in my interests? And I feel like that's where I really am. I am on the other end of my interest. Like, whatever I'm interested in, and I pursue that, I will continue to become who I am. I, so, I guess to answer the question straight up, I have no idea who I am. But I think oh, I'm, okay. my curiosities will show me, like, you know? The, the, and I'm, it will lead I'm you learning to who that you are. more every day. The more I pursue my interests, I think the best mm-hmm. thing I can do for myself is, like, is pursue on what I'm interested in. Not worry so much about how much money it's going to get me. Just pursue my interests. And um, I think I'm uncovering who I am. So yeah, I like I like that I like that I like that. So you said your fam your family is in um Houston with you, correct? Yes, yeah, my yeah my my immediate family, my mama and um everybody else is up top. My <laughs> sister did move down here too with me. Oh really? Yeah, she moved she moved to Houston too. She was like, I'm in New Hampshire, ain't nothing going on up here that I care about. <laughs> She's like getting out. <laughs> All right, so how how was the how did you have to convince the wife and kids like hey let's let's go to Houston or was nah, it she, uh, she let's more, go she she like she she more so convinced me you know oh really it like and, yeah and like yo know, we got together I was young pretty much around the time around the time we met really like we mm-hmm. her and I we we got together and like we went through a lot right now we're like mm-hmm. kind of separated kind of not but I think like it's a beautiful thing because we're both like. When you get together young, like, we're figuring out, like, those interests. Like, what are we interested in? So it's not even a sad thing. We're still, we're still good. But, um, but she was the one who was, like, who, she, she was the one who was, like, um, I want to move to Texas. And I'm, like, nah, you crazy? Like, we're in church. We're doing this stuff. Like, we're, like, we're doing stuff in the city. Like, we can't just leave Boston. Like, no. You know? Like, yes. It's crazy. So you had, but, like, you had more of the attachment than, than she did. I did, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, not yeah. even knowing. And, and we both had fears that we had to, she was afraid to say, no, I'm serious about this. I want to leave Massachusetts. That's so right. she would kind of like whisper like, oh, look at the, look at the property value in Houston. Look at the property, <laughs> look at the cost of living in Houston. I'm like, oh, that's crazy. Yeah, but like, we can't move to Houston. And that went on for like eight years, nine years. Like we just like living life. And then mm-hmm. one day it was like, damn, this is like really sucking for us. This is not what we want up here, you know, in Boston. And um, we just start talking about um, Texas again. It just came back up, and I'm like, "Yo, let's let's do it." You know, the older one, our, our, our son, he's heavy into football, and there's like a a cap for that in Massachusetts. Like these kids will play throughout high school, finish high school, and maybe you might play in college, but most of the time they don't. You know, and so like like he wants to play football. Little girl likes gymnastics. You like the cost of living. It's good for me as an artist down there. So it became something that really felt like it could work out for all of us. So then we uh, we just drove down. We packed some stuff in the U-Haul. We just left. People were like, I love it, man. We just Listen, left. man. Any, any, any movement, moving to a city, moving to a country, I, I consider an adventure, and I'm always down for adventure. So I oh, love man. hearing people's, like, starting in the new city, start, starting oh, over man. somewhere. It's it's like gospel to me. You don't understand. For real, yeah, man. Yeah, it I really is, I, I can understand why. Yeah, I'll never forget um, driving down. I drove the whole way. It was like 29, 30 hours, you know? So we stopped mm-hmm. in, like, West Virginia. We we slept in a rest stop in Alabama. But just the uh-huh. feeling of of making that choice. 
And I remember, like, we packed the U-Haul up all night. We attached it to our minivan. We, like, we packed it up. And we, um, and we were just, like, it, it took longer than we expected to pack the U-Haul up. So it's, like, right. 5 in the morning now. We done been packing all night. And we're, like, <laughs> she was, like, um, you want to just go tomorrow? And we were already, you know, we got the stairs going on. Like, she'll even be doing this. Like, half our family don't even know. And we're, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was, like, no, like. Let's leave tonight still. Let's still leave at 5 in the morning. Let's leave. It's the perfect time to leave. Let's leave. And we just drove, like, and I ended up driving the whole way um, and just off excitement and Red Bull. But um, <laughs> I, don't really, I don't really drink until that moment. And then, um, but, you know, like, I'm so proud of that drive. I'm so proud of that decision to really leave that day because if we would have stayed that day, who knows? We could have just, you know, reneged on our whole plan. But we said, 100%. you know, let's just go. And I'm so proud of yeah. that. It makes me feel like I can live anywhere now. And, and I did it's not feel like, like that a couple of years ago. 100%. And it's kind of a metaphor for just life in general. It's like if you want to do something or if you've made a decision to do something, there's no perfect time, man. Just do it. Just right. do for it. Real. Like I think that's the message there. You know, just commit and go. Biggest life lesson. 100%. 100%. All right. So are you ready to introduce your song? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm ready to introduce right. my song. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to have you yeah. introduce the song, okay? My name is Steven Sampson, and the song that I want to talk about today is Legend by Drake. Yeah. When I pull up on a nigga, tell that nigga bad back. I'm too good with these words, watch a nigga bad track. If I die, all I know is I'm a motherfucking legend. It's too late for my city. I'm the youngest nigga rapping. Oh my God, oh my God. If I die, I'm a legend. Oh my God, oh my God. If I die, I'm a legend. I'm a first, I'm on tour. Got a girl, she front of side. Used to work, used to dance in Texas. Now she clean the house every day. I was struggling to learn what life's about On my way, money taught me Spanish Make it on delay Way up north, packed in Honda cars They don't know who we are Fuck them all, they only pussy niggas shooting at the star. Right or wrong, I'ma right my wrongs. They can't live this long. You don't know where you're gonna go. I got this shit mapped out strong. When I pull up on a nigga, tell that nigga bad back. I'm too good with these words, watch a nigga bad track. All I know, if I die, I'm a motherfucking legend. It's too late for my city. I'm the youngest nigga rapping. Oh my God, oh my God, if I die, I'm a legend. Oh my God, oh my God, if I die, I'm a legend. I'm the one. All right, perfect. All right, so I ask every guest this at this point of the show. I'm um, sorry, point of the podcast. Why that song? Yeah, um, that song. I picked that song because um, it reminded me of um, of of who I was and what I meant like to my city 
to my family at that time in my life when I was struggling with imposter syndrome at Emerson. Yeah. Okay. All right. So did that, did the, uh, did legend by Drake, like, was it like, a? it represents that moment or was it like something that helped you in that moment? Like, Hey, I'm feeling like this. Let's go play fucking legend by Drake. So I can feel better. Like right. what role did it play? Right. Yeah. Um, first of all, like for me that I didn't like Drake when he came out. <laughs> oh, you did say that. <laughs> right, 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 right. I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I did I did I didn't like him. I thought his voice was annoying. I'm like, who is this dude? Like, and then I um it was funny, I know we both worked at the aquarium when we were teenagers. You know, yeah. um you're the first person I met from Montego Bay, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's where you're from, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. um and so and so um I went back there to be a um a lead camp instructor one year and I had one of the the, the teens under me, he was like, Drake's the goat. And I was like so oh, upset no. with this dude, man. I'm like, I'm like, yo, I said Drake is not even he's not even a part of the rap conversation, first of all. You know? He's just like Drake. He's Drake. <laughs> but um right. but but now, nah, but my so the, this song really helped change my my views on Drake too. But um but I relate to the song so hard because he's talking about um, you know, he's one of the one of the lines in it is if I die, I'm a legend, you know? If I die, I'm a legend. And I think about all the similarities I have with Drake. Now I joke around with my friends. I say, I actually, I am Drake. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> Drake, he started off as an actor. You know what I'm saying? He, you know, he's not necessarily a street guy. Maybe he was around people who were in it. But um, but I just related to someone who's like, you know, I have some struggles. His parents got divorced. He has some emotional struggles. And um, he, he becomes an actor. And like, I relate to someone who's like in a city that's, um, you're in, you're in a city and you're um you're doing something. Obviously, you're if you're young, you're going to shoot Degrassi, you know. Mm-hmm. And um and you you're in the show. I can I know what that feels like to be in a show or part of a movie set. And like locally, your friends and family are proud of you, and they mm-hmm. like they respect you. Nobody knows you on a great scale yet, you know. Everybody right. didn't know Drake off Degrassi, you know. But people in your town where you're at, you know. They're respecting you. You become someone who's like, you know, you did something in that town, you know. A couple of years ago, I had a Blue Cross Blue Shield commercial out in Massachusetts. And, like, I had billboards on the highway and stuff. And I'm on, like, on the side I of the I remember bus. that. Yeah. So I feel like, yo, like, and my grandmother, I might, might get a little emotional here. My grandmother's, like, on her deathbed. And she's, like, watching that um commercial. Oh, that's beautiful. And so man. that's all really just reminded me of, like, yo. If I'm scared at this college, like if I don't, um, if I don't, like whatever happens, like what's the worst case scenario? I die, which I'm not gonna die from going to school, you know. But if right. I, if I die, like yo, I'm a legend in my own way, you know. So I don't have to worry right. about this pass or fail thing. This like this whole rubric that I'm grading myself off of, like um, like um, making things more important than they have to be. Like no matter what happens, like I've done poetry in my city, like I've done plays in my city, like I've done been in the church i don't like i baptize people like you know i'm like my views even my faith views have changed a lot over the years but like that's something i've done in my life you know i've um you know i've been taught kids i've done a lot of things in the city i coach kids you know and so like this doesn't define me you know what i'm saying what i'm afraid of at the school like this doesn't define me like i'm already a legend you know so if and it's been i saw me basically my life everybody's talking about me everybody's down in me no matter what like when I pull up in the city, like they gonna they know, like I'm 
I'm a legend to myself, you know, to, to, to myself. So I really felt that song. And it's so slow. The song's very uh-huh. slow. And it's like the cadence of it was, was hitting me too. Yeah. So that that's, song helped me a lot. That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. Sure. That's fucking beautiful, dude. Yeah, so, man. So. I wanna, I kind of want to touch on the the grand, the grandma. You just mentioned your grandma. So yeah, was she? Did she play any role in like your pursuit of acting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In her, in her, in her own way, like she, my grandmother, like she, um, she passed when she was like sixty four. She had a, she okay. had, unfortunately, she had a stroke, right? And um, actually, the pictures right here. Oh, this is this is me, and my grandmother at my high school graduation. Uh, that's and, awesome, um, man. And like, yo, the time she gave me more in the time that I had with her than I could comprehend at that time. So I'm like still feeding off of like things that she told me when I was younger. And um, but really, she was just like just me as a person. She would say things to me like, "Even the prettiest people can have AIDS." I'm just like, like. All right, damn, Grandma, that's that's facts. That's facts, Nini. You know, that's that's, that's real shit. Yeah, that's true. You know, <laughs> so she's imparting these things, and then like, and without me knowing, she's like shaping my personhood. You know, and she's always saying like, like, don't mess with my grandbabies. You know, she we get upset. She made me go back to the the corner store one time, and um, because the guy that I went to get something for her, so I got a dollar worth of peppermint balls for her, uh-huh. and um. And the guy didn't give me a bag. Things like gave it to my hand. I put it in my pocket. He's like, no, you'll uh-huh. never let nobody bring you, um, sell you something, and I give you a bag. Like you deserve a bag. I don't care if you spent ten cent. You spent your money at that right. place, so you deserve like what you paid for. So yeah, 100%. I'll say my grandmother did like contribute to my me as an actor and me as a person because she taught me like, you know, you don't have to settle. You don't have to settle. And she literally left South Carolina, married at fourteen. You know, um, like, um, you know, she, she's like, I don't want to be a wife and I want to be with my friends. I don't want to be a wife, you know? Mm -hmm. So she left South Carolina years ago with my mother and my uncle and, and, um, and she came up here to Boston, like with her sisters and she built a life for herself and worked up until she passed. So like, so yeah, she definitely taught me like, you know, you don't have to settle and you can literally take your feet or your car or whatever you have and make a move for yourself in this life. That's like. That's something that you feel okay about. Oh, that's and beautiful, so, yeah. man. That's beautiful. She helped me a lot. All right, man. So we're we're about to wrap it up, and we're coming towards the end. Um, so I like to end up end the episodes by playing this game called On the Spot. Right. So essentially, what On the Spot is is I'll give you three different scenarios, and mm-hmm. just quickly off the top of your head, you have to tell me a song that goes with that scenario. Just whatever comes to mind. All right. Okay. All right. Whatever so just comes let me, me whatever comes to mind. All right. Let me know when you're ready. Ready. All right. So, what's the song you play if you feel defeated? If I feel defeated, um, if I feel defeated, I'll say, I'll say zero to one hundred. Another another Drake song. God dang it, Drake. <laughs> Real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, zero to one hundred. Real quick. Like, you know what? Yeah. All right, next one. Uh, you are reliving the same day over and over again. What song would you listen to every day? Um, it's a song by um Lecrae. It's a rapper. Um, it's uh Lecrae and Tori Kelly. Um, things I'll find you. 
fight a little longer, my friend. Okay. Yeah, yeah I play that song. Gotcha. Yeah. Never heard that one, but I I know I know Lecrae. He's really yeah, good. I'll find really it. good. Really. Yeah, he's good. All right, last one. Ready? Mm-hmm. What's the soundtrack of sorry, what's the soundtrack of a movie about your life? Soundtrack of a movie about my life. Um See you bumping. <laughs> yeah. Well, dang it. It's it's like it's like a, it's get it has some old school. There's some kind I know that's definitely what came to my mind first was um was common. The song my common um I used to love her. Talking about hip hop. I used to love oh. her. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, yeah, that's um, my jam, bro. When I left most she has so much soul. Um yeah. so yeah, it's my relationship with like hip hop culture, poetry, even like acting, like that's definitely in there. Definitely I can see there. it too, because the way he the way he talks about hip hop from the female perspective, yeah, her like yeah. growing up in the game, like I love right. it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So, that's definitely on the yeah, soundtrack. Right. Yeah, I used to love song. Common. Oh no, that was it. Um all right, cool, cool. so that was it, my man. Uh the camera is yours right now. Anything you want to say to the people listening or watching? Oh man. Um Yeah, I'll say first of all, thank you, Sunday, for having me. You know, it's good to mm-hmm. see you again. And um good to see you, brother. Yeah, I will say for everybody, just pursue your interests. Know that you have like a purpose. And in my opinion, it may not be like this one defined purpose that you are. You know, I think it's more so like like um yourself will reveal itself to you the more you pursue your interests. So I would just encourage everybody to pursue what you're genuinely interested in. Don't worry about money because you might be able to make more money with your interest than doing something for money. So hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, my man, I appreciate it so much. Thank, thanks again for coming on, bro. Yes, sir. Thank you, man. It was a pleasure. All right, right, it was a pleasure too.